Hi, I'm Julian. And I'm Eric. And I'd like to welcome you to the third Overlabored episode. If this is your first time with us, allow me to extend a personal invitation for you to get your memes and obscure musical instruments and play along with us each episode. And if you've been with us before, please allow me to thank you for inviting us back for another series of podcast episodes. The agenda for today will be reciting the agenda and partaking in a little bit of uh, what we like to call one sentence story writing where we take a sentence and we just make an entire story based off of it. So, Julian, you ready? Um, yes. Yes, I am. All right. So, I have this idea. I, I texted it to you over Insta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, you thought I was on crack, but you saw the genius in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the sentence is well it's not really a sentence it's more of just a run-on thing but the sentence is so there's this cat and he's sentient and he can talk and he wants to make music but the problem is the government is after him and i guess that's what we're rolling with you know mm-hmm. that's the idea so all right let's see what can we do here so there's this cat and he's sentient. Well, where is he going to go if he's escaping the government? Um, uh, I don't know. We got to also... Why is he running from the government? Because <laughs> he's a sentient cat, and the government wants to do a bunch of experiments. You've seen, the, you've seen this plot before in, like, so many kids' movies. I don't think I have, but okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, you haven't? I don't know. I don't think I have. Sure. So the government's trying to do experiments on him. And he, of course, doesn't want that to happen. Okay, yeah. He was, he's like a lab cat. And the government was keeping him because to do, like, experiments and tests on him and stuff for MK Ultra or something. <laughs> but he just wants to make music. All right. <laughs> so the cat, after... Um, the cat needs a name. Uh, hmm. How about Paul Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> he has a first and last name despite being a cat. I like that. All right, so Paul Johnson. He's escaped MK the MK Ultra experiments that he was a part of. And now he's on the streets, just by himself, all by his lonesome, until he sees this one family. Now, Paul Johnson is aware of the fact that people generally like cats. So he goes over to them and does like, you know what, yeah, he does puppy eyes, but he's a cat in order to just get some food. And, you know, the family, because they like cats, or I don't know, they have empathy. They accept. They're just like, oh, here's some food for this poor cat. The daughter, or, yeah, the little girl is just like, hey, let's go adopt this cat. Let's take him home and he can be our pet. So Paul Johnson, now seeing his opportunity, he really tries to sell it. And eventually, the family caves. Or for now, they're just like, here, we can bring him to a shelter at least. By the end, they're, of course, going to adopt him, and that's, you know, when the plot starts. But for now, they're just planning on taking him to a shelter. 
So Paul Johnson, he basically has a car rides opportunity to either, you know, either go to the shelter, which will be okay. I mean, it's an animal shelter, so it's not the best kind of environment, but it's better than the MK Ultra Labs. Or, <laughs> geez, okay, what am I saying? Or live with this nice family who seem to be well off, all that. So during this, he's really trying to, trying to up his, up his presentation, you know. He's doing tricks, even though cats don't do that. And then finally one, and then finally they're just like, the parents are just like, okay, we need to take this cat to the pound. I don't think, um, you and your brother are responsible enough to take care of this cat. That's when he's finally just like, okay, there's only one thing I can do. So these people won't turn me in. And that's when he speaks to them. He was, uh, Paul was planning this for a long time. He, he thought, there's only one thing I can do. Like you said, I've got to speak to them. And so he was pacing around in circles, which was also raising some concern for the family. Um, because usually their cat doesn't pace around in circles. Um, yeah. And he was thinking, you know, what's going to be my first sentence? What am I going to say to these people? And <clears throat> he gets up on, on top of the couch and he starts singing. Um, and he sings. Uh, uh, how do I do a cat voice? It's like, what am um, I supposed to sing? Uh, sing something that isn't copyright strikeable. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Here, he sings a song that everyone knows at least and can recognize. We won't say what because we don't want to get this. Uh, we don't want to get this podcast taken down. Well, they're gonna know if it's the, if I'm singing the lyrics. <laughs> Here, we can just leave this part up to the viewer's imagination. You know. Okay. Yeah. He gets up on the couch and he sings uh, Maggie May. Uh, and I mean, he's a cat, so his voice isn't isn't uh, incredible. But you know, it's it's very close to the to the Rod Stewart original, um, <laughs> just just slightly more pitched up and kind of cat like. Uh, the mom has a heart attack, and, and <laughs> well, no, she faints. Uh, okay, yeah, she faints. Um, two children whip out their phones and start Snapchatting it, of course. Yeah. Um, and the dad thinks of a suitable cat dad joke about this. Mm. Naturally, once they've gotten the mom um, awake again, they, they're they all starstruck. They're stunned. What, what are they supposed to do? This cat is talking and they can't send a talking cat to the pound. They can't send a singing cat to the pound for that matter. Yeah. So then, here, were you going to? Now you can go ahead. All right. So after, you know, the cat recites his um, beautiful tear-producing ballad, he, the family is just like, okay, let's, let's listen to this obviously intelligent, obviously able to talk cat. And so they ask the cat, 
no. How can you talk? Where are you from? Um, why are you with us? All this, you know, what you'd imagine anybody with sense would ask a talking cat. So the cat tells the backstory about he was in a bunch of lab experiments for the government, of course, and MK Ultra because yay. Uh, <laughs> and eventually, it started off. He was a, he was an experiment uh, from the Soviets back in the Cold War, where they were trying to make. Uh, fighting war cats that could speak and work as spies. That cat um, lived a really long time then. These were these were spies that. Well, no, no, no. no. It was like a byproduct. <laughs> it was kind of so. His grandpa, uh, his grandpa was part of these experiments, and they they managed to make some successful tests, but were never quite able to bring them over to the United States and get them to uh, bring back the information to the Soviet Union. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, so they didn't know what to do with these cats, so they just let them go because, I mean, they, they didn't have enough money to just take care of, all, like, hundreds of cats until they die. Um, so they have to set these cats free, and and one of these cats uh, named um, uh, Andrei, Andrei Mjauklovich um, was, um, had a baby named... Uh, uh, well, no, he he met uh, uh, another cat, and they had a baby, and and, and that cat had met another cat and had a baby, and that baby was Paul, who also was able to talk. <laughs> and then uh, Paul ended up uh, somehow going over to the United States. The history is not completely well known. Uh, you're here. A lot of people Paul, say... Paul doesn't remember either because it, he was a very, very small cat. Yeah, um, you're here. After... But, after the uh, Soviet Union fell, Russia and the U.S. act of diplomacy, um, each president gave each other a prized pet. <laughs> uh, the uh, Vladimir Putin he got a he got a mean Rottweiler dog from who would have been the president at this time. We'll say Obama. <laughs> and John. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, and Obama received Paul Johnson, but very quickly, once Obama realized that Paul Johnson could speak, (laughs) (laughs) the world may never know. That's 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 a that's a separate subplot that's coming in later in the story. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So Obama, uh, he's now in possession of of Paul Johnson, and very quickly he realizes that Paul Johnson has human levels of intelligence and just sentience. So he's just like being the head of the government and all that. He's just like, all right, we're going to do some experiments on this cat. I have no idea what the Soviets and Vladimir and all those people were doing, but I want to reverse engineer this cat to see if we can make some talking cats of our own. And that's when. And now it it wasn't it wasn't to be clear. This wasn't in a malevolent way. It was because um, Paul Paul Johnson was being brought up by his father and his grandfather. Uh, to to follow communism, and so he just couldn't live with the with the capitalist uh, means that were uh, active in the White House, and still are active. Well, <laughs> um, and he, uh, you know, he kept knocking over expensive vases, and and just completely trashing the entire White House. And they they said, all right, this is enough. We gotta get these communist thoughts out of this cat. 
cats should not be involved with politics. That's just false economy. False economy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> so after um. Anyway. So after Paul's communist ideals are discovered. Oh, and Paul's real name, since his parents are um and grandparents, they're all from Soviet Russia. His real name is Ron Chekhov, but he changed his name to but the government changed his name to Paul Johnson just to avoid suspicion. Anyway, so Paul Johnson he's after his communist ideals are discovered, that's really when the government is just like, Okay. Uh forget the part about the um sentient cat the fact that we have a communist so close to the president we have to take this cat away we have to get him out of the picture and that's when that's when the cat is finally inserted into mk ultra not the sentient part but the that was part of it but the the communism part was the tipping point so the cat is now in mk ultra and in addition to just hating capitalism he also, as the years go by and all the experiments are happening and he's not having a fun time, he slowly begins to just hate America even more. And then he finally decides to escape and crush capitalism under the glorious Red Revolution. So <laughs> this, is, this is where Paul Johnson, this is where his, uh, his ideals lie right now. Yeah, and um, he he after he was tossed out of MK Ultra, he banded together with a group of alley cats, uh, and he managed to persuade them with the ideals of communism. And they also found an old radio which was lying in the gutter, and they used to listen to that uh, sometimes. It was mostly it was mostly Ron Chekhov here or, or Paul Johnson, whatever you want to name him, um, who was listening to it. The other cats kind of laughed at him, even though. They secretly also enjoyed the beautiful music. Um, but but Paul was the only one who was willing to express his love for uh, specifically Rod Stewart and uh, Andrea Bocelli. Andrea Bocelli. Because uh, he really admired their, their singing. Um, and so eventually he got away from the, from the gang of alley cats and hoped to uh, become a well-known cat musician. And still spread, and so, spread the ideals of communism to the U.S. And so that's where we where we ended up now. So after after abandoning the alley cats, then he finds the family, and then they take him home, and he discovers that they're talking. Yes, precisely. Um, All right. Uh, so after he's introduced himself, you know, Paul Johnson or Paul or Ron or whoever you're whatever you're referring him as he he finally decides this is a good opportunity to include some humans into his revolution because if he can't um even if he got kicked out of the white house he feels like he needs to work his way up back to the governmental seat of influence he once has so he starts playing up the cute cat identity and while the um kids are super enamored by it and the adults are super surprised by it he slowly starts talking about communism just to the kids and the family and over time because the kids are i don't know they're young and 
they're old enough to have Snapchat, but nowadays that's like that's not a very old. That's age. like eight nowadays. That's eight, yeah. <laughs> so these kids were like ten and eleven with their iPhone twelve million pluses and stuff like that. Because that's how like literally all kids are. Ron's just like, okay, I can I can influence these people pretty easily. <laughs> so, so occasionally the uh, eventually as the family gets used to him talking and decide not to bring him to the town because that just wouldn't work out. Um he begins to, you know, kind of uh give the kids a little push towards towards the greatness that communism <laughs> is in his eyes. Um anyway. Yeah, and because he's a musician, they quickly discover you know how a lot of families just have like pianos, not because anyone's a pianist, but like just for decoration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one day, uh, when the family is like in the living room chilling, Paul finds his way to the piano and he starts playing the Soviet Union national anthem. <laughs> now, albeit he's not very, he's, he hasn't ever played piano, so but he's not great. But you can you can hear it. Can, it's like you a, can, he can do, 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 do. so kind. You know, some notes are kind of yeah, off he, uh, or very off. But you can <laughs> you can recognize it. It's yeah. like he, he finds the notes. What is going on with this cat? Yeah, he he can find the notes eventually. And the it's not that. It's not that. But thank you for the immersion immersion suburb. Yes, those are our our correspondents. We have a, a team of correspondents very dedicated to. Uh, working on this podcast with us. Yeah. Yeah. We have a... <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet, Foley artist. Anyway, so the cat... Or wait, no. Paul. He's... All the family is just absolutely enamored by his playing. The fact that they can just recognize anything of his at all is a is a remarkable achievement. Especially when it's a talking cat. So... Now that he's gotten their attention with the with the rousing swan song, that is, uh, I forgot the name, the official name of the Soviet Union national anthem. But anyway, that that's what he realizes. Okay, I think I, I think I've officially I've officially um, convinced all these people to my side through the power of my ideals and music. And that's when he's like, that's when he finally announces his plan. He's just like. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so after, yeah, so after saying, Borolevsky, Dembroyski, Korsaket, I don't know, I can't pronounce it, um, he's just like, okay, so, communism is pretty good, it worked out, it worked wonders for where I'm from, or where my family's from, and I don't really like capitalism over here, so, they all want to band together and overthrow those those capitalist pigs with me and the family because he's a talking cat. They're just like they say, sure, you know he has he has that natural charisma. So with that with that out of the way, they start planning for a communist revolution. <laughs> yeah, he starts he starts to plan out how how they're gonna do this, um, and he he decides. Maybe it's time to record something and get it out there and underlay it with some secret communist messages, you know? Mm. Yeah. So he finds that there is a a recording studio right down the two blocks down the street. And he thinks, you know, 
I can't just walk waltz in here and say, hey, I'm going to record something because uh, they probably call animal control. Um, and he doesn't have the uh, enough money to to pull off something like that. Um, so he bands together with his cats and they start to plan out how they're going to sneak into into there and and release their remix of the Gosudarstveni Kim Sovetskogo Soyuza. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was probably a very incorrect pronunciation, but uh, I hope we don't have any Russian listeners. Um, <clears throat> and so they so they start planning. They're going to break into this uh, tonight. Was, or not not tonight, but, you know, at night. Um, and And they decide that... <laughs> Man, how do cats break into a recording studio? Uh, uh, they're gonna. Uh, I don't know. They, they, they get a. You know that thing where like, uh, or that trope where you, you put like two kids or two like smaller people in a trench coat and you like stack them on top of each other. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So the cats band together and do that, and you know, Paul because he's the head and because he's so charming. He manages to sneak his way in, convincing everybody that he's human with his intelligence and charisma and all that. And after a while, they finally get to the recording studio and the mixing board. And this is where things finally begin. So, uh, Paul has decided he's going to make a club banger remix of the Soviet Union National Anthem. Just, so, just something for all the kids to bop to. Yes, but he had a few of the other, and it'll still have vocals, but you know, they'll be like these like auto tuned <laughs> vocals that are like, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and he's gonna, he's gonna be the lead singer with a solo, and the other cats are gonna uh, be the backup singers, so make like a kind of a small cat choir. Um, mm. Anyway, but underneath that, kind of buried within the mix. The sound crew is working on imbuing secret Soviet number station codes, as well as hidden subliminal messaging and hypnotic suggestion into the lyrics so that any listener can be quickly um, hypnotized and convinced of the rightness and justness of the communist cause. So they're working on that. He's making his banger. The <laughs> the family is none the wiser and helping him financially with PR around town. You know, posters, promoting live shows, maybe even scheduling a tour. Yeah, he's they're, so they're getting a lot done. And after after the song is done, man, this little fire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he goes under the name Lil Paul. <laughs> he he releases this song under the name Lil Paul with uh, Spinning Records, very popular uh, recording studio who's who's managed to bring out a lot of banging club hits. Um, now the only problem is this recording studio is asking for uh, a quite large sum of money that they're not exactly able to fork together. So they have to come up with a second plan how they're gonna get the money to release this. Mm-hmm and spread communism across the globe with their uh, 300 BPM music. <laughs> yeah, it includes everything from 
uh, trap beats to triangular modulation. It has all bases covered, so everybody can vibe to it on some level. <laughs> so they decide it's time for a a bank bank robbery, oh. which you think is hard to pull off as a cat, but if you think about it, cats are very small, and everybody loves cats. Um, uh, so, you know, it should be relatively easy to sneak into a, a bank as a cat. Now, I want to make a short disclaimer. We're not condoning uh, using necromancy to turn yourself into a cat and then rob a bank. <laughs> but if you do manage to do that, that will be very... Wait, I, don't think, I don't think that's uh, necromancy. That would be impressive. That's just like... That's lycanthropy. That's just the general dark arts. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... The story, after... After he's finally made the remix, he decides to go on tour. And he, he proves a really good opening act for a lot of the big names. So Jay-Z, Beyonce, all of them. And the crowd is just loving it. And after a while, he gets <laughs> this cat. He gets a record deal with, um, with Interscope Records. And they decide, to, they decide to make an entire album. Uh with this cat or no a three album deal <laughs> with this uh with this cat in the mix and so years pass and he makes those three albums and by this time he's developed a um a, a really large large following so on his on his world on one of his world tours he finally goes to the family and is like all right i think i have enough followers and this next single that we're going to make I think it's going to be the big one. I think it's going to be the call to action. <laughs> so, uh, after how how long they 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 uh, they, they um I forgot what's that one uh Russian uh like trap song called like Bibalovsky? Uh Tripalovsky. The they they released their uh their premiere, you know, single, uh Tripoloski Trap Remix. And within this remix, they just go all out on everything. The subliminal messaging, the number stations, the hypnotic suggestions, it's all there. But it's so intricately mixed and mastered, no one can hear it. Not even the best producers in the world have an ear for it. So these messages just it basically says, all right, people of America, you have been under the tyranny of the capitalists for too long. And as of now, it is time to take arms and unite against the president and these corrupt politicians. So, you know, after his millions of adoring fans listen to the song, all of a sudden, there are various riots and mutinies in the streets. Uh, um that have the goal of exposing the darkness within capitalism and inciting communism into the government. Uh, eventually, a world, a significant world leader who's also a fan of Paul Johnson's music listens to the music and declares war on the United States of America. So now, uh, because of Paul Johnson's firebanger, uh, the U.S. is now at war with this country. 
and the country quickly quickly wins because all the U.S. soldiers are into his music as well. <laughs> so they mutiny. <laughs> yeah, this song has been blowing up more than Gangnam Style. People cannot get enough of it, and so yeah, it is. It's it's the number one most viewed song on YouTube. It almost became a fight song uh, for the American American soldiers because after a while, you know, you don't really listen to what the song's about anymore. Um, yeah. And so they just started kind of going off while they were fighting to this USSR anthem remix, which only gave the uh, gave the Russian Russian soldiers more uh, more enthusiasm and helped them fight more. And it became a fight yeah. song for both sides until the U.S. was metaphorically uh, fighting against themselves, and <laughs> and eventually uh, communism started to slowly spread in small groups across the U.S. Yeah. So communism was establishing its presence, its its presence, and while this is going on, there's one main uh, uh, piece of opposition that stands between the uh that stands between Paul and absolute power. And that is Barack Obama's dog named Bo. <laughs> Bo realizing that him Bo Obama <laughs> Bo realizing that he's the last um the last point of resistance between um Paul and um total communist takeover he realized that he's gonna have to fight fire with fire so Bo using some of the using the 600 billion dollar military budget uh, gets enough funding to create the scientifically hardest banger to ever exist (laughs) so (laughs) so after all this after what takes years of research and many lives lost on the front lines, Bo has finally, Bo and his scientific team have engineered the most perfect, catchy banger. Within it are reverse number stations and hypnotic suggestions that will lull the American, that will uh, sway the American people back to um, the side of the government. So after they post it to SoundCloud, uh, it just it starts going viral because it's the perfectly engineered banger. I better play. It. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't play music. We're gonna get sued. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's gonna come for us. <laughs> yeah, he plays the perfectly engineered banger, and it starts competing with Kuripalowski trap remix. <laughs> Until both of them are tied for number one on trending. <laughs> and at this point, many of the Americans are using this as an even better fight song, which they are now fighting on the side of America again, as well as many countries in the world. So at this point, it's, it's, it's unclear who will win this conflict. So, so Bo, with his banger, is quickly pushing uh, the, the USSR Anthem remix down to the bottom of the charts. And, and, uh, and Paul slowly starts to realize it's, it's time for a change. We have to do something. Uh, we're, we're not going to win this war. Um, 
if we don't bring out some more good songs or do something. Um, <clears throat> until one fateful day where Bo, who had long since broken out of the White House uh, to be able to work uh, more closely with, with his fellow uh, uh, Democratic dogs, uh, they call themselves the DD clan. Um, um, and so, which was also the same deal for Paul. He had broken out and joined with the communist cats, uh, the CC clan. Uh, <laughs> the double D versus the double C. The double D versus the double C. Um they were they were all strolling. Both of the uh, gangs were kind of strolling around there uh, in in Washington, and until one day they came across each other uh, in an alleyway. All right. Um, they they both stood at the at either edges of the of the alley and and said, uh, "Looks like we've come to an impasse." <laughs> they stood there for a while, looking each other up and down thinking about what their next move is going to be until Paul runs forward and climbs onto a stack of old boxes lying in the edge of the, of the alleyway. He gets up and he says, what are we, if not a bunch of animals oppressed by humans forced to work for their pleasure? Why can't we work together to see that we, us animals can rise up and be better than the humans? Is that from Animal Farm? I have no idea what that is. I just came up with that. Oh. I guess, yes, it's an Animal Farm reference now. Sure. We're analyzing our own story now. <laughs> I can already see our 8th grade lit teacher. It's like 60 years from now, I can already see him yelling at a bunch of students. That's right, that's what our English teachers are going to start listening, uh, start giving their students to analyze. Yeah, I, can, I, can, I can already see the passages that they're going to have to read on, like, a test. Anyway. So... After, after Paul makes his statement, Bo um, uh, finds a similar stack of boxes and climbs up to that and makes his opening piece too, explaining how democracy uh, gives rights to every, ex or explaining, uh, quote, democracy is the beacon of hope in a society and in a race of people that have long persecuted each other. Without this system, the opportunities of common man cannot be realized. And under many uh, other ideologies, God, I, I can't think of uh, intelligently. Where did you get that description of communism, uh, of democracy? I mean, uh, I'm just thinking of it on the spot. <laughs> wow, like, that was really good. Same thing that you're doing. So, Bo is just like he's advocating for you know democracy and that capitalism. Despite the people, what the people um, can do, it grants more good than bad. And with um, decent regulation, because he's a Democrat, uh, <laughs> he says that it can work all right, and the people and larger entities can live together in a sort of ethical and economic harmony. So Paul still isn't convinced. And now that the CCs and the DDs are together anyway, <laughs> Paul challenges Bo and his crew to a crew battle where they gotta yeah they gotta they gotta wrap their uh, they gotta wrap their hearts up you know no line uh, no line miss no uh, rhyme on no rhyme scheme unfinished 
It's got to be the perfect, the perfect freestyle. So Bo accepts, knowing conflict, the outbangers, uh, and so he accepts. And at this point, both of them start, and it's the battle is so fire from both sides that the entire uh, the entire alleyway literally catches on fire because it can't take the heat of their bars. <laughs> 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 so now it's on fire and he realizes Paul within his last um, within his last energy after doing rigorous uh, after a rigorous rap battle finally decides to close the line he knows the final attack that he can do his last word was his uh, last line was uh, nay because he was describing Paul as a horse <laughs> no, it's not like you're no joke. That was his last line. No, no. And then... Just becoming a serious Animal Farm reference right here. Maybe. <laughs> that could be a good subplot. Uh, Bo finally closes it out with... They're gay. And then... <laughs> and Paul, after that, the fight, it's silent. Complete silence. And then Paul... He doesn't. He starts. He doesn't really feel that good after. All of a sudden, he's knocked twenty feet back into the alley, and he slams into the wall because the power of Bo's roast manifested physically. And <laughs> what the frick is happening? <laughs> the power of Bo's roast is manifested physically <laughs> and has uh, incapacitated Paul. So. Bo and the Didi. <laughs> nah, you're dead. Bo and the Didi. Well, probably on fire. Yes, he did. <laughs> so Bo and the Didi's, they win, they win the battle. And after that, Paul swears vengeance one day and that communism will rise again and that it will only be so long before the inherent conflict of the proletariat and the capitalist machine are provoked again. And it'll also only be so long until the proletariat's realizing their strength in numbers, unite against the common oppressor. So with that, I'm going to leave it ambiguous to whether uh, Paul makes it out of this one, because you got to leave the audience on the cliffhanger. Uh, so after that, after the crew battle of a lifetime, Bo, uh, injured and bruised from the incredible rapping, he, he stumbles back. And, I don't know, I guess this is an epilogue now. He runs for president, wins, is now the first dog president to ever win, uh, to ever take office. And, I don't know, he institutes a bunch of cool reforms and and nice things that the U.S. likes. Uh, The end. Well... That was that was a very uh, I don't know if I want to say inspiring. <laughs> inspiring. Uh, a very incredible epic, uh, which I think will be uh, uh, appreciated throughout many generations. Oh yeah. So we eventually get to the point where it fades into obscurity and is is only analyzed by uh, English teachers. <laughs> no, it, it'll live through oral tradition like the great epics of the Odyssey and the Iliad.
for I'd say another five thousand years because it's just that it's just that fire. And uh, until then, yeah, it'll be analyzed by people like our eighth grade eighth grade English teacher. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, so I'd say this is a good, uh, good time to wrap things. Oh yeah, to anybody that uh, that listened to uh, the full extent of yeah. our our last episode, like listened to the entire thing all the way through, we're sorry. We are we are very very we're sorry. sorry. We <laughs> ear damage. Um. Um. <laughs> yeah. So just that. And if you haven't seen the full extent of that episode, please do. It is a lot of fun. You're going to love it. Um, uh, Julia, do you have anything? Uh, hmm? uh, we said this in the end of our last episode, but make sure to follow our Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. Overlay underscore board. Uh, we may or may not include a link to that. If not, uh, find it yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, once again, stay safe out there. Corona is is going insane. Yeah. And uh, we gotta don't go outside. Yeah. Don't travel to any affected areas. Seriously. Practice social distancing. All that. Um. I don't know. We might continue this in another far off episode. Could definitely go places. You know. I, I do think, yes, yes, this story could be a full book. Full book. <laughs> I swear to God, if we start a Wattpad, we can just post this there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to do Eine kleine Nachtmusik on the ukulele. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going too well. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Damn it. All righty. I don't practice ukulele enough to <laughs> become a uke virtuoso. Uke virtuoso. I've always not dreamed of being. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's a good spot to end the episode. Yeah, hope you hope y'all like the story. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's it. I um, guess. all right, see y'all later. Arrivederci, um, and and uh, au revoir. And, um, sayonara. Uh, I I forgot what goodbye was in Chinese. Yeah, we have. In, in Chinese, what? um, oh, uh, sayonara. That's oh, Japanese. No, no, that's, that's Japanese. Japanese. Um, uh, we also have uh.